The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Welcome back to another episode of Medical Alley Association's At the Table podcast, where we explore how policy affects the healthcare community here in Minnesota's Medical Alley and beyond. I'm Jessica Young, State Policy and Advocacy Manager here at the Medical Alley Association and your host for today. Joining me is Congresswoman Michelle Fishbach, who represents Minnesota's 7th Congressional District. Her constituency spans the western half of the state, running from the Canadian border all the way down to near the Iowa border. This is the Congresswoman's first term, though she is certainly no stranger to representing the people of Minnesota. She has an impressive resume and has held a number of positions at the state level, including Lieutenant Governor, before being elected as the Congresswoman for the 7th District. Representative Fishbach currently serves on the Agriculture Committee and the Judiciary Committee. It is great to talk to you again, Congresswoman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And then um, I will just add that I do sit on the rules committee also. I sit on uh, three committees, which which is a little unusual for a freshman, but really do um, love all of the committees I sit on with ag and rules and judiciary. Thank you for mentioning that. That is a good one to flag and um, one that I'm sure folks don't totally understand as it is more um, probably procedural. Is that right? You know, it is a little bit every all of the bills come through the rules committee before they go to the floor. And in rules committee, we determine how they're going to be uh, how they're going to be handled on the floor, how long the debate's going to be, um, you know, what amendments uh, may be ruled in order, things like that. Um, So it we see it's been very nice as a freshman because, you know, before it gets to the floor, I usually I see every bill before it gets there. So really able to uh, really understand you know, get both feet, jump in with both feet and know what's going on and what's getting to the floor. I was going to say, that's awesome. A great way to get exposure to a lot of different issues and a lot of different pieces of legislation. So great experience for your first year. Yeah, it's and and it is a it's a, just wonderful people on that committee, you know, with uh, ranking member Cole and Congressman Reschenthaler, and they've been very, very kind to uh, to a freshman. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. And this, uh, my first question kind of ties well into um, that conversation. I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but can you just tell us about your first year in Congress and maybe specifically what was the transition like from state senator and then lieutenant governor to congresswoman? Well, you know, I, I, I will tell you, I and not that I keep track, but I've been here um, 295 days. I have a <laughs> ticker on my on my phone to remind me, um, you know, how because uh, since swearing in, because it seems like there's a lot more going on. It's that when you when you think of the days, it's a lot. Uh, it seems like a lot shorter. But when you're here, it's uh, you, there's so much going on. But you know, it really it. I, you know, I miss being in Minnesota, obviously, and being in the legislature. A little different. You know, you head to St. Paul, and and we're only five months long, and and so here it's year round, and so you got to adjust to that. But I, you know, I think that a lot of the um, issues we dealt with in in my Senate district 
do really uh, translate to the seventh district, you know, ag issues, workforce issues, those uh, healthcare issues, those kinds of things really translate. Um, uh, obviously, though, on the federal level, there are new issues that I've been dealing with, uh, you know, never had to deal with antitrust issues uh, um, in, the, in the Minnesota Senate. So, you know, it, it is a steep learning curve. The, uh, the rules and procedures are a little different, but I've been catching on to those. And so I, I think that uh, things have been going well. I haven't made any big mistakes yet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. And I, um, I'm sure some of the experiences you had as Senate president have to be helpful, just understanding some of the procedural motions and things, even though they're a bit different. Oh, absolutely. They, it was very helpful to to have some, you know, some idea of the procedures and and how a bill moves, you know, through the legislature. And it is a little different, you know. I mean, I, I can really geek out, and you know, we used Masons in Minnesota, and now we use Jeffersonian, and then there's a whole lot of uh, rules exclusively for the U.S. House. So I've been getting to know those so that I better understand. And it, it, for me, it's part of understanding, you know, how to how to pass legislation and things like that, and making sure you know all these stops that things have to take. So yeah. And it's a it's a complicated process. We're lucky to have a we're lucky to have you there and that you're so engaged in um, sort of unpacking all those different procedures and some of the things that are specific to to D.C. and um, the House in general. But I'll maybe pivot my questions if I can to some more healthcare focused. I'm hoping you could tell us a little bit about some of the struggles or issues that your constituents might face related to the availability of and access to healthcare. I'm really curious about access to specialists, um, emergency care, preventive care, and everything in between. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in rural Minnesota, we are we are always struggling for access for healthcare and making sure that it's available. And you know, it's difficult because I mean, you mentioned in the opening, you know, my my district goes from the Canadian border almost all the way to Iowa, and you get in some of those; those are very rural areas, and we need to make sure that people have healthcare available to them. And so, it's always a struggle when we do have, you know, we have some really strong hospitals in the area, but it's always a struggle for them to, you know, attract. Uh, doctors and uh, keep a nurse, you know, making sure they have enough nurses and, and just even just, I think, in general, any of the healthcare staff and those specialists in particular about how do you attract them to rural Minnesota. And I, I will, I will say something that I talked about on the campaign trail and talk a lot about here too, is, is strong rural communities and healthcare is an important part of that because, uh, you know, you need the education, you need the, uh, the broadband. And I know we'll probably talk a little bit about telemedicine, but you know, those broadband, making sure we've got broadband, but you have to have a, and housing, housing has been a big one, but those strong rural communities to attract the doctors. So it's kind of this, you know, circular kind of struggle that you have to make sure that it is an attractive place to bring people and uh, healthcare is one of those. And so they've always been facing those struggles and we the education. Um, and as you know, I was uh, chair of the higher ed committee when I was in the Minnesota Senate. We always talked about keeping those uh, two-year schools, those rural schools, whether it be two or four-year strong so that they can educate those nurses, they can educate those LPNs, they can educate educate some of those uh, healthcare workers closer to home. Because then obviously, if you have someone who's being educated there, they're more likely to uh, to stay there and work there. So those are kinds of, you know, it is a struggle, not only, you know, make sure that we have the folks, but keep those facilities open, keeping them functioning. They're obviously expensive, um, you know, lots of things that 
that uh, you know you use for healthcare expensive and but making sure that we can attract those doctors uh, you know i know that there have been programs you know with u of m for rural doctors but looking at whether it be um uh, loan forgiveness, things like that to attract people to rural Minnesota. Because I do think, you know, once you once people do experience rural Minnesota, I think that they are likely to stay and enjoy themselves. We've got, we do have um, that quality of life that is not always available in the metro area and no real insult to the metro area, but I do, I do favor rural Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really liked how you approach that kind of like a holistic sort of view of the issue that you want a a strong rural community in every sense, and healthcare is a piece of that puzzle. And the next question I was going to ask you, I think you start uh, you started to hit on. So I'll maybe ask it, and if there's, um, feel free to reiterate some of the things you said or mention anything new. But given your years of experience working in public policy and representing folks, you know, in CD seven and Senate District thirteen, what solutions can we consider to address the lack of access to healthcare? in rural areas, you mentioned, you know, loan forgiveness, um, prioritizing two and four year degree programs. Is there anything else that comes to mind or things that you have seen that work well to sort of address this issue? Well, and and I did briefly kind of mention broadband and passing um, during, you know, the previous answer, but I think that one of the things, you know, we learned during the COVID um, shutdown, whatever you want to call it, you know, that telemedicine was a, a critical part of the of the answer to getting people health care. And I think as we look at not only broadband, but we do look at, you know, telemedicine and how we're going to reimburse, because I know that during COVID, we reimburse uh, more. And we're trying to take a look and see if some of those reimbursements for telemedicine can be made permanent. And, and it kind of ties in with broadband in the sense that we've got to make sure not only at the hospital or the clinic level, at the provider level, that we have the ability to use telemedicine, but also at at the patient level. Uh, You know, someone needs to make sure that the broadband has to be strong enough to get to their door. They have to have the ability, the the equipment to use it. And so we need to make sure on both of those fronts that we are addressing those things and that the broadband is strong enough and it's available. I don't know if it's the complete solution. We can't do everything um, by telemedicine, but we certainly can do a lot more than we thought we could via telemedicine. And so I think that we need to continue to expand that. It, it, I don't think that it is a complete replacement. I think it is an enhancement. We still need to address those critical access hospitals and making sure that they're there and that we can get the specialists that we can but we may be able to uh, supplement where we can't always have those things and prevent people from having to drive hours, you know, to the metro area or to the biggest city around to get all that care. So I think that we need to have some kind of balance, but we'll continue. You know, I did mention those loan programs. I think if we do more to encourage, you know, doctors to maybe do their residency or nursing students to do their clinicals in rural Minnesota, um, we can continue to, um, you know, engage them and show them that it is a great place to live and work and uh, raise families. So I think more than anything, we have to do part of it, we need to just sell rural Minnesota and make sure that we are encouraging them to at least see what's out there, because I think that they will see that that it is a great setting to be in. We have, uh, you know, good hospitals that are here that are doing their thing. And so anything that we can do on the state and federal level and loan programs, uh, residency programs, things like that, we need to encourage. Absolutely. And I love your, um, 
just your view and perspective on, you know, telehealth, because obviously this has boomed over the last 18 months and um, it can be really complementary to in-person care. And I think of in particular folks in a district like yours, where if they do need access to that specialist that's located in St. Paul or Minneapolis, to be able to at least have that initial appointment with them over the phone and save drive time, time away from work, it can be a pretty cool technology. And similar to my previous questions, we kind of led into my last one. So I'm, I love the flow. It's going so well. But the last question I wanted to ask you is, what do you think the future of telehealth looks like for your district, the state, and the country in general? And then kind of second part of that question, can you just talk about the importance of innovation in the healthcare space? Oh, well, I, I, and I'll take the first one. The in- innovation in the healthcare space, you know, is just necessary. And, uh, you know, and, and innovation in general, you know, always helps, you know, you think about rural Minnesota, you think about, you know, before the internet or before it became very, very, people couldn't move out there and work. And now we can have someone who telecommutes, you know, from a, a, rural area from a very rural area as long as their broadband's good so as you know so that innovation and you and you think about it telehealth a few years back was not something that people were thinking about but a but a 15 minute checkup or just you know things like that and people are driving two hours to get to just you know is is unnecessary now and so those things are really i think helping move medicine forward in rural minnesota and making sure that people are have it available to them but i do see and i and i kind of mentioned a little bit in the in the earlier question about you know i think that it 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 will enhance and it can improve, you know, healthcare in rural areas because we are able to, um, you know, use them complementary of each other so that when someone really needs to come in, they will be able to come in. But if it's, if it's something they need to check up on, and I think you saw it a little bit with, you know, how uh, a lot of the, um, health plans started nurse lines or the hospital started nurse lines. They understand by even starting that years ago, they understand that maybe it's just something very simple and that it can be, you know, okay, do this or that. And if it's not better, please come in. But now with the, with the, even the telehealth, with the pictures that they're, you know, they're able to look at each other, um, I think is even better that way that you can, um, you know, address things without someone driving several hours, without someone, you know, or an elderly person having to go out in the cold, because we also deal with cold in Minnesota. So, you know, a few years back, we had the the polar vortex, nobody wanted to go out, but uh, but you had to if you had a doctor's appointment or something. And so some of those things can be addressed too. So I see the future as, as we continue to promote broadband and making sure that we get it into our rural areas, I see that that can really be, you know, one of the tools in the toolbox for us um, in rural Minnesota, making sure that people have um, healthcare available to them. Yeah, you make excellent points. And, you know, broadband has come up a couple of times and you know this well, that it sort of an annual issue, I would say, at the state legislature. And we've seen, you know, um, federal administrations prioritize broadband, too. Um, But I think the virtual the future of virtual care seems exciting and telehealth is you know, one of the big steps forward. So hopefully it continues to help folks in your district and alleviate some of the, the stressors and roadblocks that come with, you know, finding appropriate health care. But really appreciate your perspective on that issue. And I know um, Medical Alley members are on the front lines innovating and 
um, they're leading the way with some of these new technologies. So to hear from you and hear your perspective from your district, I think is extremely valuable. So I appreciate, um, I appreciate diving into some of those more specific issues. Before we wrap, is there anything you would like our listeners to know? Policies you might be working on, issues that you're particularly passionate about? I'll kind of hand it to you if there's anything you want to close with. Well, you know, I will just say, I know that we have, you know, great medical innovators in Minnesota, great medical companies, and and we have done a lot in, you know, making sure that those critical access hospitals that we do have clinics, I mean, obviously, I would like to see, you know, those stay and be stronger and make sure that we continue what we have. There are places that have lost them in the last few years, and, and I hate to see that, but like to see those clinics. So that is something that I'm working on. And, and I'll go back to that and, and, you know, that strong rural community issue. And, and healthcare is just a critical part of that and making sure. So anything that I can do to make sure that we keep, uh, keep those and, um, and enhance them and make them workable for folks, I think is so, so important. Um, and I continue to look at, can we, um, you know, can we get our, get our schools to um, make sure they have enough room for all the folks who want to be nurses? You know, I know that a few years back, we were dealing with uh, shortages of uh, student space for nursing programs. And so we want to make sure that those are available to, so there's a whole lot of kind of aspects of that, that we need to be looking at to make sure that we are able to provide that. And the innovation that we have gone through in the last, you know, I, I mean, 20 years even is just amazing. And that is due a lot to the, the innovators we have in Minnesota and, and moving things forward and making sure that people are staying healthier and, and are able to get the kinds of, um, whether it be you know, equipment or medical care or those kinds of things available. And so I want to make sure that we, we do provide that to every Minnesotan. And so that's what I do moving forward is, you know, making sure that rural Minnesota isn't left behind and that we are continuing to promote them because that is uh, it. uh, uh, Like I said earlier, I'm partial to rural Minnesota. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that people have the opportunity to uh, to live and work there and raise their children there. Absolutely. And you're a fierce advocate there, your constituents. And frankly, Minnesotans are lucky to have you in D.C. sharing that perspective and I have had the pleasure of working with you at the state level. So it's so fun for me to talk to you again and connect again and hear how your work is going out there. But it was great talking with you today, Congresswoman. And thank you for your time. I know you're busy and thank you for your insights on truly some of the most complicated policy issues. We are, we're really lucky to have you in Congress. Well, thank you very much. I I appreciate it. And we are working hard. And I will say just, you know, uh, since folks will be listening to this, please, if there's anything you think of, uh, reach out to the office if there's any questions or anything like that, because uh, the more we hear from the 7th District in Minnesota, better we can represent you and understand what kinds of things we should be addressing. So I appreciate the opportunity to just share a few things today, but but really, uh, want to have conversations every day and make sure that we are we are actually doing what people need us to be doing. That's awesome. Absolutely. And I know from Medical Alley's perspective, we look forward to um, the continued relationship and, and working with you um, for years to come. So thank you again. And I want to say too, a special thank you to our listeners. Your continued support allows us to bring you great conversations like this one. So if you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing to the Medical Alley podcast and giving us a five-star rating. 
We will see you next time on At the Table.